So, so what to, was the question? I'm trying to figure out how to turn off my, um, you'll know this, you're portable. Cool. Well, hey, everyone. Uh, welcome, Liza Dinder. Uh, she's a comedian, and she has been a longtime friend of mine. And I was like, I think she would be an awesome host. So, or ho- not host. You're not hosting this. I might I am. be. Uh, you, maybe one day. I'm going to job here in a minute. I'm going to take that <laughs> <job>. <laughs> But she is my guest today, and I'm really excited to have her. So, welcome, Liza. How's it going? Thank you. Um, pretty good. It's going pretty Other than good. the fact that you can't turn off your notifications yeah, if, if something's dinging, it's um, it's how popular I am on the old messaging app. Um, mm. I don't know. We'll see. We might it might be silent the whole time. But um, <laughs> no, I'm doing pretty good. I had to. I told you earlier because uh, we're all. I'm sure. Like I know you're still at your house, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're still at your house. Yeah. Well, a lot of us, you know, I know are displaced back into our childhood homes that may or may not have good Wi-Fi. So I'm currently in my mom's empty office. So I had to go to town to get some good Wi-Fi for this thing, but I'm doing what, good. What kind of office is it? Um, there's only like five people that work here. I mean, she's got a lot of sticky notes. She's got two monitors. Um, I don't know. It's pretty. It's nice in here. She's got a salt lamp. Oh, that's when you know it's fancy. That's when you know it's fancy. I mean, I got a salt lamp too, but it's so weird how a fifteen dollar thing can make you your room look like it's worth a million dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Your room is awesome. My room is pretty dope. Thank you, Phillips Hue Lights. Please sponsor me. That would be very helpful. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so Liza, you're a comedian, and uh, I didn't even know you wanted to pursue this until a couple of years ago. And I was like, yeah. that's great. Liza's hilarious. Like, she would do so well in that. Well, so, yeah, I was going to say about that, about you not knowing that that's something that I was into. I met mm-hmm. you in 2014. Right. It was like six years ago. Um, I think it was about 2014. And I started going to acting school in 2015. But like you and I, I mean, we didn't really talk a whole lot. We didn't really keep in touch necessarily. Like personally, we would just see each other on social media mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember, I think I've told you this story before when I ran into you at Starbucks and you were started. I know you know this story. It was in like 2016. I'd been in acting school for a little bit and I thought you knew that about me. And you had started making some videos and you had a YouTube channel and you were really getting out there. And I was like, man, that's really cool. And I ran into you at Starbucks and you said, hey, Liza, how's it going? And I was like, it's going really good, Trevor. And we talked for a second and I just said, hey, you know, if you ever like need help with anything, you know, just let me know. And I kind of meant in the way of like acting and stuff. And you just looked at me and said, with what? Oh my God. No. And I just said, um, oh man. Nothing. You know, nothing. nothing. Help with nothing. I am, I am so sorry. Like, you know, hey, I, sir, if you ever need to borrow some sugar, let me know. <laughs> if you ever need some Doritos on set, I'd be good. Yeah, I was, you know what? Nothing. If you need help, nothing. Don't worry about it. Oh, man. That's so – I am so sorry. Oh, well, I'm glad that didn't stop our friendship immediately. It didn't, it didn't stop it at all. It didn't stop it at all. We've had a – Oh, my gosh. I'm turning ball. red. But uh, that that is hilarious. You should – you probably – do you ever get this? Like, if you ever tell a funny story to someone, like, man, you should put that in your stand-up bit. Yeah, Absolutely. It's so Does funny. that get old? Um, I don't even think it gets old. Maybe it get, you know what would make it get old would be if I would do that. 
Like mm-hmm. every time someone told me, like whether it was good or not, they said, yeah, you should tell that in a bit. And I did it. People would stop telling me. <laughs> they would stop. Just every single time. And then you purpo- yeah. you should purposely not make it funny. So then they're finally watching there. It's like, oh man, Liza's going to do my story. I told her to do it. Here it goes, here it goes, here it goes. And then you're just like completely butcher it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I told her to say that. Did you? Well, I bet you feel real good about yourself. Hey. <laughs> like the worst set you've ever had yeah uh, oh yeah we got some chats going on here we uh, chase said f the in the chat? chat uh did you see there's a chat on the right yeah but yeah live comments oh ooh, yeah people in here i was looking i know it's crazy chat. right trevor i was looking at private chat and i thought it was just us this whole time <laughs> really no we started forever ago well i knew that we started but i didn't think anybody was here yeah it's a live thing I know it's a live thing, Trevor, baby. I just don't think we're that popular, honey. I just didn't think anybody was going to look. They're looking. What we got over here? Evan's in here. That's my cousin. Evan's my What's cousin. What's up, Evan? Chase is my friend, and I don't know Dryden Joss. I don't know him, but he was here first. Dryden, Dryden's a cool guy. He's in. Uh, he's one of our buddies in Atlanta. Really good dude. Cool. He's also a streamer. Everybody should go check out his stream, Dryden Josh. I think this is going to surprise nobody, but today was my first time on the Twitch website. Really? You've never made it? You've never even entered it? Entered it? No, I've never entered Twitch. But like, well, I'm you're sorry. not much of a gamer also, are you? No, it's mostly I, for games. Well, yeah, it absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah, it's just never really been something that I've like, I see people stream on Twitch a lot and I think, hey, that seems neat. But I don't know. I did start playing. It's really Apple fun. Though. I've played Animal Crossing. I've seen that, and there's your notification. Oh shoot! How do I turn this thing off? Or is that mine? I hope that's no. Not it was mine. definitely mine. Nope, it's not mine. Yeah, it was I mine. Think I have mine it off. It was me. That sound is obnoxious to me. It was me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Does can anybody help me? <laughs> messages. Help. Chase, let, he's an IT guy. Let's get some yeah, IT some help IT in the chat. In the house. I'm just gonna have to throw. Oh, we got my friend Zach in the chat. What's up, man? I'm just gonna. Quit. We're gonna take a really awkward long pause for you to. I just quit messing. <laughs> fix this. Maybe that'll make it stop. I don't know. Yeah, totally. But yeah, yeah let's uh, let's talk more about your comedy. I know we've talk been it. talking about it most of the time. I love but, talking uh, about it. Totally. So, what was the first time you like finally stepped on stage? Was that like really relieving whenever you finally did it? Okay, so so I the whole reason that I even went to acting school, I mean, I don't know why mm. I put it in quotes, it is an acting school. But the whole reason that we went to school, um, <laughs> the whole reason I went was not for like a traditional theater background. All I wanted to get out of it truly was the ability to tell stories um, better and obviously do a little bit of improv, work my way up to some sort of stand-up. Um, but that's what that was what I was interested in. I wasn't interested in any sort of traditional theater plays. Don't give me a script, pretty much. Like that's not what I'm here for. Um, so I already felt really comfortable just from doing those school-based improv shows and things like that. I felt super comfortable on stage. Um, but the first time that I did stand up, I, in like no other aspect of my life, do I plan ahead. But for stand-up, I'm just such a perfectionist. I just want it to go so well, um, mm-hmm. desperately, that 
I had prepped and prepped and prepped and thought about the, I, I had thought about my set that I was going to say, I had timed it and timed it. And I'd gone to a lot of stand up for weeks at this point, like four or five a week, maybe three or four weeks, just to really like get a good feel for these crowds, for the open mics, things like that. Which one do I want to perform at? And the night that I went, the first time I went, um, I had decided I was going to go. And when I put my name down, I was going like 12th out of like 18 people maybe. So I had a good buffer time. Um, and I feel like that's when I would want to go is like in the middle, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so by the time it was time for me to go, like, I mean, they're open mics, you know, like maybe you're paying $5 to get in, but nobody's really paying to come see it. They're just paying to get a little bit of fun entertainment on a weekday night. Um, so by that time, and I tell everybody this, if you think you can't do stand up, I absolutely promise you, you can do stand up. You can do it once. You can do it once. I promise. Like, oh, t- no handlebars. Tell us about a time you bombed. Oh, um, that's a good one. Or have you bombed? That is a good one. Have I bombed? I have not. Cross my fingers. I have not horrifically bombed yet. I've not. Okay, that's good. Um, I'm trying to think of a joke that I told that didn't land very well. Chase said bombed a, a stand-up specifically. Bombed a stand-up. <laughs> Tell us about a time you bombed college uh-huh. that's like when um uh, uh whenever i tell my buddy he thought he's like, I'll be, he'll be like what are you doing this weekend i'm like oh i'm gonna shoot a wedding he'll start going and i'm like no yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna shoot a wedding i hate weddings i do too um, but uh anyway continue let's see um yeah i did one bit that i did that i think if perfected, I think everybody says this. They're like, well, if I did it better, it'd like obviously go better. Um, if it just worked on it or if you, if you heard it in a different setting. Um, but I do this little joke where I talk about how no matter how long you've lived in the South, whether you just moved here, you grew up here your whole life, whatever. At some point, everyone, no matter what, acquires a teeny tiny little papaw that sits in your vocal cords and just says shit sometimes. <laughs> Like, whether you know it or not, all of us have a teeny tiny little papa who will just say things. And my example of that was that I'd gone to dinner um, a few weeks before I was telling the story. And I had valeted my Honda CRV, my 2010 Honda CRV. So I didn't want anything to happen to her. So I'd valeted it. And when it came time to come pick it up again, I gave the little valet guys my keys. He brought my car back out. Um, and as I was trying to get in, my friend that I was with noticed that the car they were battling behind us was a Ferrari and he was super impressed by it. He was like, that car's amazing. That car's so cool. I can't get over that car. I didn't, I don't care about the car. I'm already in my car that I love and paid money for. And I'm about to drive away, whatever. And he looks at me and he was just kind of like prodding about the Ferrari. He was like, did you not think the Ferrari was cool? And the joke is that before I could even say anything, my teeny tiny little papa was like, yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty good car, but if you want reliability and you want to be able to move something, I'd be a 2010 Honda CRV. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, I think that's funny. Um, it, that's pretty funny. It's it true. Okay. It went okay. It was funny because, like, there was, like, a ripple throughout the crowd of, like, the mm-hmm. people who were really laughing were, like, tiny papa owners. You know, they were the ones that really, really. I'm got the owner me. of a 2010 Papaw. Yeah, I, I've got a 2010 Papaw. You know, r- rides like a dream. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, let's see. But I feel like any Southern person gets super Southern whenever we talk about cars and vehicles in general. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I, I'm not even a car buff, but whenever I get to talking about like trucks or mm-hmm. <laughs> like mechanical work, yeah. then I just like I feel like if you recorded my voice and played it back, I'd be like, "That's not me. Mm-hmm. That's not how I talk." Yeah, when I was in high school, I Katie had to drive, I had to drive my parents' old um, 2000 Chevy. What is it? Chevy Silverado with a camper top on the back, and the front license plate said "Too Rowdy." And I had to drive back to school every day. And I, I felt like one of those truck guys that like yeah. the back of the school lot or whatever. Let's see, that's 1,000% accurate. They go to Hardy's for breakfast every day. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. Hey, this is a good question. Uh, I'm guessing this is people that you know. Allison and Ryan want to know what jokes you make you laugh, but no one else thinks is funny. Um. Okay, like a, spe- a specific joke that makes me laugh, but no one thinks is funny. I saw uh, let's a, go with like, like is a there joke. a specific type of humor that maybe you find funny that okay. no one else does? Since I already mentioned it, I'm going to mention the tweet that I saw yesterday that nobody in my family laughed at, but I laughed at. <laughs> and it was just that Hillary Duff is short for hilarious duffel bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's and amazing. I laughed at that all day. I laughed at that all day. Um, That's but- a really great like subgenre of a meme. Like, <laughs> what does this stand for? <laughs> duffel bag that's so good i can't even uh, think of any but that that whole category is amazing yeah mike pence is michael pencil <laughs> that's hysterical um what i think like for like normal names like mine would be like Traverius hancockius or something Traverius somebody said that to me <laughs> elon musk short for elongated musk <laughs> yes that's a good one that's really funny that's good um a type types of jokes that make me laugh that don't make anybody else laugh um, I don't, hmm. I feel like I find these very, very funny, but I really like the, um, like messed up algorithm t-shirts, like the t-shirts that are like catered to you on their Facebook algorithm where it'll pop up. Yes. Oh my gosh. A man named Trevor born in August or whatever your birthday is. No, your birthday is. I am a Trump supporting truck driving man born in August. And and my favorite sweet tea is Lipton or something like that. It's like (laughs) my wife bought me this shirt. (laughs) I love them. I don't know how many people think that those are so funny, but I'm delighted when they show up in my algorithm. I'm delighted. They're incredible. And I've never had one pop up for me. Yeah. But the, like I've actually seen like two or three of them out in the wild. And I'm like, the, there are real people that are keeping this t-shirt company in business. They love it. They love (laughs) it. Yeah. I followed an Instagram for a while and it was like, T-shirts that are so messed up by the algorithm because they're made in another country. So the language gets completely distorted. Um, and it would just say things like, um, what my favorite was like, what I do isn't safe. What I do isn't easy. I'm a goat herder until I die. <laughs> and I guess just like, oh no, just thinking about a proud goat herder who's like, don't tell me to quit. Don't tell me to quit. <laughs> I'm putting my life on the line every day to herd these goats. <laughs> Oh my God. Hang on just a second. I'm going to turn off my fan. I've realized it's been running this whole time. It's a bit loud. Oh, your fan's running? You better go catch it. You idiot. Oh my God. Hope, hope people didn't leave because of that. All right. Yeah. Wouldn't that be? <laughs> yeah. Quick. Make can you, t- can you tell a difference, by the way? 
Can I tell the difference? Yeah. No, I don't. I can't tell. Well, I could have left it on. I'm going to burn up in here now. But the the show must go on. I'm not going to leave again. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any headphones or anything because, as I said before, I have never streamed or been on a Twitch or know anything about the rules. You don't have to have headphones. I mean, I I like them because the sound is going directly into my ears instead of like me. Like if you were to say something or I'd probably have to like lean in or something like that because the MacBook speakers aren't that great. Yeah. Well, we're here. We're doing it. We're going to work with it. All right. What else cool. do you have for Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk shop. Um, so what are some other, um, do you have any like other stand-up stories that you'd like to tell? I'm sure you've got some really um, crazy ones. I'm trying to think of like really amazing ones. I'll tell you what normally goes very well for me. And it kind of has to do with the Southern thing we were talking about just a minute ago, but what is that like your niche? It, Southern has, jokes? it has to be my niche. And that's, that's what I was going to get at is that when when you have something like I do that is very easy for other people to point out, you have to beat them to the punch. You don't have to, but it works in your favor if you beat them to the punch. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if, and I make the joke of, if you see me for the first time, um, you might think that I'm vegan or very angry. And when I first start speaking, you realize that I sound like if a Bojangles biscuit could talk. <laughs> so see, I got you, man. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> I have to mention the Southern accent right off the bat, generally when it's a crowd that has never heard me before, you know, because I don't look how you think I'm going to sound and I don't sound how you think I would look, you know. Mm. So when I start out with the Southern thing, um, it kind of like, I mean, in a way it, it gives other people permission to like bring it up as well, you know. And I think that I've, I mean, that's another thing. When I first started going to acting school, I thought, I got to get rid of this accent. I got to get rid of this accent. I got to do voice lessons. I got to really work on it every day, even when I'm at home, because I'm not going to get any work if I have this accent. And then I realized I'm not going to get work anyway. There's thousands of people auditioning for these roles. Let's save the time and effort on the voice and focus on other things. So that's just like obviously a joke. But yeah, for a while there, I definitely (laughs) like, you know, my accent is going to like inhibit me or hold me back or put me into like a Larry, the cable guy category. Um, and so far it hasn't, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely, it works for the Southern content that I'll bring up, i.e. like, you know, tiny Papa and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I like like tiny Papa. I kind of, I could see that getting big and then, um, (laughs) <laughs> and it becomes like a t-shirt or something yeah, exactly. right that's my merch that's my merch yes and that I should be your angle <laughs> yeah that's the thing everybody like says nobody like says your name when they see you out in public they're like tony Pepaw. Tony hey, hey, you're a tiny Pepaw girl hey, <laughs> yeah exactly tiny Pepaw girl exactly but um that's funny you say that because like i used to have a way thicker southern accent mm-hmm and I actually got rid of it when I was in high school when I did theater. Yeah. And uh, my or my director, we were doing, um, I can't even remember the play that we were doing, but she was like, you need to get rid of your accent as much as you can. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so. Word, I'm so uh, clean. Let me get to work. <laughs> and so I started watching like a lot of uh, Stephen Colbert and uh, just like talk show type people that have like, 
I mean, just like really normal voices that you could like listen to all day. Because before I was just like, I man, I want, I want to go, and you couldn't yeah. even understand me. I was like mush mouth with like a southern accent. Yeah. And but once I started working on that and working on like vocal things, like I looked up a bunch as many YouTube videos as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, it started like slowly going away, and then when the play happened, everybody was like, "Whoa, that's Trevor. That's what he yeah. sounds like now." <laughs> and, yeah, I and. Yeah. Like I'm not ashamed of being from the South. Like, heck, I got like a like a few months ago. I bought like a Tennessee shirt from Vans, and I was like, you know what? I'm proud for, yeah. of my state. I'm gonna wear it on my sh- on my back. So, Absolutely. Yeah, and I love, um, I love so many things about the South. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that I have noticed for sure, as far as like geographically, any time that I have lived or like resided for more than a few weeks in somewhere outside of the South. Um, my accent does tend to like go away a little bit. It's super environmental for me. Yeah, super environmental. And I think I do it out of a need to like mediate, you know? It's like if I sound like you, we got some common ground. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's anything. Like if, I mean, that's why so many people that are alike hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because there's some common ground and that's easy like it's it's kind of rare you see a group of friends from like every demographic in the world oh yeah so. yeah absolutely we gotta have something in common unless we've been put in a room together for the <laughs> diversity yeah we gotta have something in common for sure Let's see where do you get the laughs with the southern jokes in the south in no the south. way <laughs> you guys you're not gonna believe this but in the south um, in the South, I mean, yeah, in the South, but I'll, no, I'll tell you what though, I have definitely had like West coast friends. It's more of an intrigue for sure. You know, when I like talk to them about the South or like make Southern jokes, it's more of an intrigue because I mean, obviously they didn't grow up, you know, in the South and it's just, I don't know. People are fascinated by the South for sure. I don't and you've been to, you've been to LA too. Was it, um, and I feel like the stereotype is that like LA and like West coast people hate Southern people. Um, like what was your experience like interacting with like LA people? I, I, it's funny. I talked about this earlier today to a friend of mine. Um, I have a abnormal relationship with the people of LA and an abnormal view on California as a whole, but Los Angeles hands down is one of the nicest places I've ever been in my life. Hands down. Really? Wow. And that, and not a lot of people have that perception, but I think that when I lived there for the like little over two months that I did every single day, I wasn't like, I think that if you enter Los Angeles and you're looking to be wowed or you're looking to meet people who are absolutely so different from you and and you think you're just going to go find a bunch of really beautiful, smart, intelligent, you know, fascinating human beings, you'll find them. But there's a lot of beauty in Los Angeles in just the norm, you know, like some of the nicest people in the world were the guys that worked at the Ralph's grocery store down the road from my house. You know, it's like every single day I would go in there because I'm at the time I'm better about it now, but I was one of those daily grocery store shoppers where it's like, I'm just getting what I'm going to eat today, man. Who knows what I want tomorrow. Um, But every time I would go to the grocery store, I I remember one event I was checking out with some pancake mix and the guy just took it upon himself to like, tell me his favorite pancake recipe. And like, it would go really well with that. 
you know? And it's interesting because, um, I don't know. I, I have had such positive experiences in Los Angeles. I think that it is absolutely how you, it's just like anywhere else, like how, what you want, you're going to find for sure. Mm -hmm. You know? And my example is when I lived in Atlanta, um, I wasn't really in the best place for sure, but I wasn't expecting Atlanta to do anything good for me. I won't necessarily say that I was looking for Atlanta to be good to me. And I didn't really find a whole lot of good in Atlanta, except for like some friends I made, i.e. the kind punk house and, um, you know, work friends and things like that. Right. But yeah, it's absolutely like where you are, what you're looking for is what you're going to find. And Los Angeles for sure is just one of the kindest places I've ever been. Every time I would go out to eat, um, I mean, anyone from the, waiter to maybe a person who like held the door open for me just so kind absolutely so kind and i've gotten more fascination about being southern than like distaste about me being southern absolutely i think people more just interesting and you know i don't want to like you know i mean you know that i'm a political person but um especially within the last four years of where politics has been in america i think that people in more progressive liberal areas like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco. I think they do kind of want to hear from people who live in other areas, like what's going on, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, if you've never, like if I show up in Los Angeles and I, you know, make a friend and they probably never met somebody from East Tennessee, they're going to want to talk to me a little bit about like, what's life like where you're from, you know? Do you guys wear shoes? Yeah. Like I've I've actually gotten that one before. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I got to get around and I don't want to get foot fungus. (laughs) You say, say, well, how am I going to (laughs) walk? I just, you know, I don't wear them at the house or nothing, but at Walmart, I got my shoes on. (laughs) Exactly. For real. What are some other, did you get any like random questions that you debunked that somebody had like some stipulation about the South? If you can't tell, I've never been to the West Coast. (laughs) Right. I think that I also kind of give off a vibe of like, you know, like don't F with me. You know, like I feel Mm -hmm. like there's something more they could like, I mean, if Larry the Cable Guy shows up, you're probably going to be like, well, do you really wash your clothes in the river? You know, (laughs) they're probably not going to try to mess with me about like how I grew up. You know, like I haven't had anybody ask too many like, poignant questions um like being like disrespectful to like where i came from um but i mean a lot of times i just get you know do you know anybody that voted for donald trump and i'm like yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely i know know a lot (laughs) i'm like you're not gonna believe this buddy the whole state (laughs) like yeah so really i mean just just that but um is there a place you've played that surprised you with their reactions that's a good Um, question so first and foremost, I have not played at like a whole bunch of different places. I just absolutely want to make that clear, but I've done it enough to like have some stories and experiences on it. Um, a mm. place you played that surprised you with their reactions. Mm. Where have you played? First of all, I mean, it's all Chattanooga pretty much, you know, I'm just trying to think mm. of like a place and more like a time. I'm guessing yeah. you, have you performed at the comedy catch? Is that not the comedy place? Mostly JJ's. Um, honest pint. Yeah. Yeah. I like the comedy catch, but I also have weird feelings about the comedy catch. You know, 
It's an interesting place. The comedy catch is a really interesting place. Yeah, it's I feel iconic. As, a lot of like big comedians know where it is. Yeah, and I feel as though the comedy catch kind of has like a presumed monopoly on comedy in Chattanooga. Um, but I don't know. Ever had a political joke not go over well in Chattanooga? I've never oh, once man. made a political joke. Never once made a political joke. One day I absolutely will, but maybe it's because I also just don't think politics are that funny right now. I think they're gruesome and horrific. But How do you feel about Trump jokes being overused? Because that's my oh, least favorite thing in the world. I love Trump. What is the story you told the most about performing comedy? <laughs> What's your favorite place to play in Chattanooga? Um, so many questions. Okay. I know, they like me. Um, the You're a great story guest. I told You're doing great. Thanks about performing comedy. I'll tell you the story I've told the most about like, and this is my most, one of my most embarrassing was when I auditioned to be in the acting school. Um, oh man. This was in 2015 that I auditioned. It was in May and the semester was going to start in August. Um, I, <laughs> there was a little bit of a confusion in the email that they sent me. And it was a confusion on my part. They, they said everything they were supposed to say. I, misunderstood what they wanted me to do to audition. Um, what they wanted me to have done was to have recited a couple monologues. Somehow I got confused and I thought they just wanted me to tell them a story. So I show up to the audition. I, I mean, it was a per story from my personal life. It was an embarrassing story about me, like trying to get this guy's number and it not going well. And I showed up to the audition, got my little butt on stage, got the microphone and just started talking to the two administrators sitting in the empty auditorium. And I'm telling them all about it and I'm moving around and making hand gestures because I'm like, I really need to be into this story for them to follow along with me. So I'm like into it and telling them stuff. And, um, I finally ended the story thinking I'd done pretty well. It was definitely the best version of the story I'd ever told. And, um, they kind of walked up towards the front of the stage. And, um, one of them said to me, did you get the email? <laughs> and I said, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. and she said, do you have a, Did you know? yeah, she was like, do you have a monologue for us? And I said, what? She said, a monologue. Did you, I attached a list of possible monologues. Did you, did you read it? And I know I had not read the attached list of monologues. I had just read story and was like, I got them. So, um, so they were expecting like this, beautiful like poetic Shakespearean monologue and you told it about a story yeah. of a guy getting a guy's number yeah yeah yeah, yeah. tell us the story you told them <laughs> gladly so this is when I was a freshman in college which was my only time in college and I um I had a class I had sociology that's what it was I had sociology and there was a guy in there named Matt and Matt sat diagonally for me and I remember just thinking Matt was so cool. Every now and then he would wear a Breaking Bad t-shirt and I was like, word, I'm re-watching that in my dorm room right now. We already have so much in common. Um, and one day we were walking after class, kind of headed back to the general 
where the dorms are on campus. This was at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. And as we're walking, oh, I thought to myself, hey, maybe I should try to talk to him, but what am I going to do? Well, I could just pretend that I already know him. Don't do that. Don't do that. So as he's walking, I went up to him and I moved my hand out towards him just in a like, you know, hey, I'm going to get his attention. And about halfway through reaching my hand out, I realized, oh, no, he has headphones in. He can't see. Just back out, back out. Don't talk to him. He'd already seen my hand. So he turned to look at me and I said, hey, um, so I know this is super weird, but like, I know you, right? Like, did you, like, we went to high school together, right? And immediately he goes, no, I went to school in Memphis. Like, just not even going to ask me where the hell I went to school. He just, no, no, it was not with you. And he said, no, I went to school in Memphis. And I said, oh my oh, okay, God. yeah, for sure. I was just wondering, you just look familiar. No big deal. I'm thinking I'm out of it. I'm in the clear. That was kind of embarrassing. We can move on. And he kept walking. I'm just silent behind him. And he kind of takes his headphone back out and looks at me and goes, where did you go to high school? <laughs> and it, I just wanted to be over at this point. And I said, um, I went, I went, I went to uh, Walker Valley in Cleveland and he goes, Oh, cool. Puts his headphone back in. At this point, we're now crossing the street. I'm going this way. Thank God. And he's walking up the stairs and he takes both headphones out and calls out to me. Should I wish I'd gone there? <laughs> And I said, <laughs> yeah. And he said, all sure, right, why not? see you Thursday. That was it. That was it. That was, um, yeah, it was. Uh, so sociology was a really good time for you. Yeah, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. But, and, and like now, you know, I mean, that was what? That was like six years ago. Now I have like plenty of other, like, you know, not great trying to date somebody's stories. But at the time that was definitely, and I just, you know, I just offhandedly read an email that I was supposed to tell these guys a story. And I was like, well, that one just happened. I'll tell you that one. That's kind of funny. And they were expecting, oh they were expecting a monologue. They still let me in. I don't know why. They still let me in. They said, well, that was good. Maybe because I had conviction in telling the story. They were like, well, she clearly knows how to say dumb shit. So maybe if we get her a script, she can just read that. Let's give her smart shit. So maybe we get something smart to say. She can do it. She can read, I bet. So, yeah. That she, was- read, she clearly read the email. She clearly read the email. She didn't read all of it, but she read enough of it. So, yeah. So, like, what, was there just, like, attachments? Did you, like, skim the email or what? There's no telling. How did you miss I, it? I mean, dude, at the beginning of this whole thing, I said, I've never been on Twitch before. I don't do I don't <laughs> either very well, clearly. <laughs> I'm well, not very technology efficient, I can tell. Yeah, man. I'm like, I have, I have a phone. I know how to use that. I once again, I'm like a southern papa. Just give me a flip phone. I got two numbers to call. <laughs> like, so you're a southern papa, and you have a little papa. Yeah, <laughs> he's my sidekick. My yeah. favorite southern mom thing, which is exactly what my mom does, is she her her laptop is pretty much a Facebook machine. I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen anything else on that entire thing open other than Facebook. Like. <laughs> 
You're like, buddy, you paid a lot of money to just get on Facebook. I know. I'm like, well, just give her an iPad. Now she has an iPad. She doesn't have a laptop anymore. Yeah. And the iPad is now a Facebook machine. Now it's the Facebook machine. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Matt, Breaking Bad Sociology. What a dreamboat. <laughs> that was great. I have a follow-up real quick story about Matt. Yeah, go ahead. Sociology. Absolutely. Um, so we did kind of like we maintained like an okay, like class relationship, you know, whatever. Like he knew who I was. I knew who he was at that point. And a couple years later, when I would have been a junior, had I not gone to pursue an acting school, um, I went back to UTK to visit my friend Bailey. And we were in my car in the parking garage about to drive out. And he was walking in front of us with his dog. And we kind of like saw him and he saw us recognized Bailey and came over to Bailey's side of, you know, side of the car. I was talking to her real quick, clearly didn't recognize me at all and kind of looked over at me and said, oh, hey, uh, nice to meet you. I'm Matt. And I just looked at him and said, Matt, it's Liza. And he goes, Liza? And I said, yes, Liza. And he goes, whoa, you look different. And I didn't know what to say. (laughs) So I just said, yeah, I, I glowed up. That was when that was, that was when glow up was a thing. I think it's still yeah, a thing, sort of. I, I hope it's a thing, because we're doing it, baby. But I just said, um, yeah, I, I glowed up, and he said, "You're bloated." <laughs> it was never gonna work with me and Matt. You, you just roll with it. Yes. <laughs> said, so bloated, Matt. I'm so bloated. <laughs> I actually have a story with the time I mistook someone and it was, this was in middle school. So I had a friend named Zeke. He was this short little blonde headed kid, okay. like Kurt Cobain, kind of like shaggy blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And so there was a fall festival happening at my middle school and I see Zeke and I run up to him and I like grab him. Cause I'm like way bigger than him. And I just like do this kind of thing with him and I put him down and the kid turns around and it's just like, He's like, he's like actually the age that Zeke looks like he is. He's, he looks like he's 10 years old and we're over here like 12 or whatever. And he's just like, mommy. And he runs away. And I just kind of look at my hands and I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> shook a kid. Yeah. I was just like, oh, Zeke, oh, man, what are you doing? All right. Gave him, probably gave him a noogie. Hey, that was, funny. <laughs> I hope I didn't give him a noogie. That would have made it way worse. That's hysterical. Let's see. What did Heather say? Fun fact. We have the same birthday. Oh, what's up? Oh, shoot. Trevor, you know who else has the same birthday? Who? Matt, Matt, uh, what's his last name? Dick Steen? Dick Steen? Dick Stein. Stein. Yeah. Dick Steen. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm sure he's gotten worse. He has to have gotten worse. We have the same birthday. Oh, that's cool. Your first December 13th. Same day as Taylor. And Taylor Swift. And Matt. And Matt. What a day. The three people that matter the most on that day. The three people that matter the most. What a day. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Or four. Heather has the same birthday. Sorry. Heather does have the same birthday. Yeah. I like Heather. We went to youth group with Heather. Oh, oh that makes cool. perfect sense now as to why it's Heather 1213. 1213. Using that brain. Using that brain. <laughs> Big brain moves. Big brain. But yeah. So. I also want to get into the the process of like writing a good like stand up joke. Uh, okay. Hey Benny. Hi Benny. Um, so I feel like a lot of people get stuck 
and especially like writing a joke. Some people just think it's, oh, I'm going to go up there, wing it. And yeah. other people think it has to be this like artistic, like in a dark room with a candle and a, and a notepad or something yeah. like what's your, what's your, do you write anything down? Do you put it in like your iPhone? What do you do? So on the note of just winging it, um, mm-hmm. that is absolutely what gives me anxiety. Absolutely. Like, and this is coming from someone who loves improv. If I'm in mm-hmm. an improv setting, wing it let's go let's you know throw it at me let's see what happens um but as far as like stand up the thought of winging it is absolutely what freaks me out so much more than like bombing or somebody not liking it or you know there's people in the crowd anything like that just um winging it is terrifying and part of why i felt finally like relaxed enough to actually do stand up is because a couple of my friends in chattanooga would go to open mic nights and Um, this is not something that I participate in, um, but they would get super inebriated and just sign up and just get on the stage. Just a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Um, and somehow it was never, it was never so disastrous that they couldn't necessarily come back from it. Um, but that's not saying it went well. And, um, I don't necessarily get embarrassed like firsthand embarrassed very often um because i just kind of figure we're all people and like you know i mean whatever but secondhand embarrassment makes me want to throw up on myself so i can leave like absolutely and every time they would get up to just wing it i would just sit there and like just shudder breathe to myself just like waiting for them to get i mean it's like they were going you know like you know those guys that like tightrope across the grand canyon that's what they were doing, but it was at like JJ's Bohemia in Chattanooga, and there's like twelve people, <laughs> and I'm shaking. The Grand Canyon of Chattanooga. The Grand Canyon of Chattanooga. <laughs> God, um, but yeah. So my thought process for how I write jokes um, is they all come from life experiences. So I'll make little notes in my phone of like something that really stood out to me that was funny, or an event that happened to me that if I think about it a certain way becomes funny. Um, So I'll like make little notes of that for sure. And then I'll just literally stand in my house. I have a little cactus statue on my like mantle and I will hold the cactus statue because it kind of looks like a microphone. And I will just walk around my house and say things and just riff off of that and kind of improv it, improv it to myself um, until I kind of feel like we're starting to get in a flow and then go write that down, whatever I just said. Um, yeah, so I guess I kind of incorporate a little bit of like, this is kind of piecing together in my brain now, but I guess I kind of incorporate a little bit of, um, improv into like being by myself doing stand up. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just saying it over and over again, what's a funnier way that I could say this. And then of course there's, there's like, there's time limits on, um, open mics, especially. And then I'll just time it, shorten it down a little bit, recite it to myself a lot. Um, And that's definitely like that leaves room, you know, that leaves wiggle room for sure. I mean, if I'm on stage and like something comes to me and I really think in that split second that this could enhance the um, performance, then like, you know, absolutely. I'll throw that in there. But I do tend to kind of like to stick to a script a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, just because, you know, like I said, in almost no other aspect of my life, would I say that I'm a perfectionist, but um, in in stand up, absolutely. Cause it's a performance, you know, I think that also yeah. has to do with um, 
I grew up playing a lot of music. My mom made me take piano for 13 years. So I got super accustomed to like practicing, doing, um, you know, like practicing during the week, going to piano lessons and then having a performance. Um, so, you know, I definitely kind of like it was instilled in me the value of hard work and like what you get out of that when you perform and what you get out of that when you did not practice like you should have and then you're embarrassed. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like stand-up people, they get this rep like I feel like the if y'all were to say stand-up comedian in someone's mind, they think of like a fat frat boy looking dude with a yeah. flannel, maybe his guts hanging out a little bit and like, he looks like he just like rolled up on stage Burt and somehow Kreishner? he's funny. Is it Burt Kreishner? Yeah, I feel like he's like the staple comedian icon right now. Or I'm stand up comedian. Yeah. But he's I think he's really funny. He's he's absolutely hysterical. But mentally, Burt Kreshner, for sure. Yeah. So when people think of this, they kind of think like, oh, this is such an easy job. You just get up on stage. But honestly, in my opinion, that's one of the hardest art forms that you can possibly do because it's it's just you in a stage. Like there's no one to back you up. Like I know you've done improv comedy before, but like if you mess up, like somebody can make a not funny thing that Absolutely. you said funny and bring you into it. So if you mess uh, up, you got a partner, you got a partner on stage who probably at this point has worked with you enough that they can tell like, Oh, that wasn't really the best. How can I improve this a little bit? You know, like I say, you can't spell improve without improv. Um, <laughs> Chase wants me to give a stand-up joke, and that is not happening because my stand-up career <laughs> is non-existent. <laughs> I, mean, I think you're pretty funny. Thanks. Um, um, I wrote one joke ever, and I never got to perform it because, like, I told it to like five different friends, and I tried like different ways every time, and then you? they were like, mm, "This is not working, man." Is it about your? Like beard? It. Is it what? Is it about your beard? No. Oh, I thought you told, I think you told me one, one time that I thought was funny about your beard, but whatever. Me? Oh, I think I know which one you're talking about. So, I mean, I want, I could incorporate this into a stand-up joke. So I worked for UPS for six years and I had, I had this really shitty boss. He was such a crappy dude. Uh And one day I like was starting to grow in my beard. I mean, my beard isn't perfect, but it didn't look as good when it was first coming in. And I also couldn't even grow a mustache yet. So I to work and first thing that's even said to me my boss he's like writing something down turns around to me and he goes trevor you need to shave tomorrow it looks like someone threw cheetos at your face yeah that was and it i was like cool <laughs> you said cool that hurts my feelings <laughs> i was like i'm like a 18 year old kid still and i'm my self confidence is like at an all-time low and i'm just like okay and i think i kept it i don't remember what i did any better actually <laughs> yeah uh, chase said on a, on a serious note have you ever considered doing a crowd crowd work stand-up where you just rip on the people in front in the front row or the guy that walks to the bathroom um so my first thing that comes to mind is it was actually at the comedy catch and um mm. i was not performing i was sitting in the front because they have instead of like rows they have like tables that you sit at because you can also order food while you're there because sure so i'm like sitting at the front and the woman who was um hosting the open mic was doing that she was like you know ripping on people in the crowd and i remember at one point she made a joke about um eating and about like eating, like, I, th- I think it was like frozen, like, 
I think it was like um, ice cream sandwiches or something, but it was some sort of like frozen treat, whatever. She was talking about how like someone she's seeing now like doesn't eat the whole ice cream sandwich, blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me and it, like, it wasn't, I mean, like, you know, I'm not, I'm absolutely not here to like rate other people stand up. It was going fine, whatever. And she looked at me and she said, do you eat the whole ice cream sandwich? And I said, I don't like, I was just kind of like, they're not that big, you know? And I was like, uh, yeah. And she goes, no, you yeah, don't. Most everyone I've had is yeah. like this big. Said, no, you don't. Fuck you. And I, <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of looked at her and I was like, okay. You know, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. And that just definitely like really stood out to me as like, and again, super nice lady. I mean, it was obviously it's not personal. Um, mm. But yeah, I think that in very specific doses that can go well ripping on the crowd. But I think that in a, in a lot of doses, it's just kind of like maybe pick something else to talk about. I don't yeah, know. Like, I feel like making fun of people yeah. that didn't ask to be made fun of yeah, is an art form in itself. Like, you know, it's just kind of one of those backhanded, you know, like. I'm small. I probably don't eat the whole ice cream treat. Like, yeah. mm, okay. Like, I don't. Maybe don't belittle your audience until you build a fan base or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's kind of like if I knew that this woman was like, you know, oh, don't come to the show. She's going to talk to all you skinny bitches about how much you don't eat. Then I'd be like, whoa, she picked me. I'm the skinny bitch who doesn't eat, you know? But, um, yeah, it's kind of like, man, this is a little weird. There's like seven people in the show. <laughs> have you ever watched uh, Key and Pill? You know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you seen the the roast comic comic bit that yeah, they do? I don't think so. There, so Key is like a he's a stand up comedian. That's the setting. And he's just like roasting people in the crowd. and Everybody's like loving it. He's like killing it. Like the vibes really well. And then Jordan plays a burn victim. And he's like in a wheelchair and he like rolls up to the front row and he's like, do me. And he's like, um, and he like tries to like move on and like act like he wasn't there. And then he's like, come on, I can take it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, um, wow, I didn't know Freddy Krueger was in the house. And then everybody goes, Boo! and then he goes, I couldn't take it. <laughs> It's such a good bit. I love them. They get it. You know what I'm talking about. It has oh, been yeah. something that I um I thought about a minute ago that has been super interesting to me as far as like local level comedy goes. Mm -hmm. One night I counted and out of the 14 performers, three people, including myself, did not joke about having a drinking problem or sex. And it was the three women who performed, you know? Wow. And that's and usually yeah. like the stereotype. Yeah. Or like and when they was, talk about their sex problems or whatever. It was just really interesting because, you know, a lot of the material was very like, you know, how much sex you have, the drinking problem that you have. But like, you're not overtly saying that you have a drinking problem, but you're just talking about, you know, like, I mean, the stories are all about how much you're drinking every night. And it's kind of like, you know, to anybody actually paying attention is like, I mean, this is kind of OK, but this is the second week in a row where all of your material has been how much you're drinking. Blink twice if you need help, 
you know, <laughs> like after a certain point, it's like, okay, man, you know, maybe this is not, maybe this is not good. But yeah, as far as like the, the sex content goes, I absolutely, you know, I, I think sex humor is very funny um, because I'm a functioning tax paying adult, but at the same time, I don't feel the need. Like I don't have to prove to anybody that mm-hmm. I have or have had sex. Like I like, that's just not something that I feel like my audience needs. I don't need to prove it to them. You yeah. know, um, I remember one guy, he, he was joking around and he said, so he like picked his phone up on stage. It was so funny. He picked his phone up on stage and he said something like, um, Oh, what? Sorry. That was a text from your girlfriend. <laughs> like, oh! <laughs> I feel, do you, do you ever feel like, some guys or even girls like you stand up as a way to kind of feed their ego and have this like fake persona to be like, look at me. I have sex. Do you believe I'm not gay yet? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And Chase asked Liza, do you think Amy Schumer is funny? Yes, I do. And a lot of really, yeah. And that surprises people a lot. Um, yeah, I do. It's one of those things where I don't know if you've seen the, um, I think it started out as a vine maybe, but it's a kid's birthday party and they're like beating to death an Olaf pinata. And there's a guy dressed as Olaf in the back, like looking freaked out because they're <laughs> Olaf pinata. And the caption is something like, when I secretly agree with the opinion that people are being like attacked over. And like, that's how I feel about Amy Schumer. I don't say a word about it, but I do think that she's funny. Really? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of her. Yeah, a lot um, of people aren't. And I 1,000% understand where they're coming from. And that's not to say that I, like, you know, I love all of her material. I think that she goes a little overboard a lot as well. Um, but I think that I think that generally I do think she's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heather asks, who are your comedy heroes? And that was going to be a question down the road that I was going to ask, but go ahead. Uh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill Hader is amazing. Bill I Hader. love him. Um, around the same time for me, um, that I started like gaining comedy heroes was the same time that I first saw my favorite comedy movie of all time. And this is when I was in, um, when I was in fourth grade, I saw Napoleon Dynamite for the first time. And it absolutely blew my mind because until then I had no idea that a movie could be that funny. Like I knew real life could be funny, but I had no idea that a movie could just be that funny. And I remember crying, laughing on my couch with my family and just thinking like, this is the best. This is the best. I love this. What's Um, your favorite part? My favorite part. I think the part at the time that made me laugh the hardest was when Pedro had had his hair and had to shave his hair and was in the bathtub and was like, had a fever and that whole montage of like, you know, it was so hot and he had to shave it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That got me. And then of course, like, you know, for the first time that you've ever seen the movie, when he comes out and he's dancing at the end, it's hysterical. It's a, it's iconic. It's one of the best comedy scenes in the past like century. To think about like, having had an honor of being like working on that set. Could you imagine what a treat? What a treat. I honestly, I get the feeling that people probably didn't believe in it on set. Cause oh, yeah, totally. I don't know. Like nothing had come out 
that was anything remotely like that before Napoleon Dynamite. I feel like at least not in the mainstream. Yeah. And I think that in a way, Napoleon Dynamite and I'm sure other movies as well. I mean, Hot Rod for sure tipped that domino of make funny stuff with your friends because other people actually do like it. Yeah. You know, I and think I love Hot Rod. It's one of my favorites too. And yeah. our my roommate James, he's a huge fan of it. I mean, he was he was Rod Kimball for Halloween. Yeah. But uh that that movie was like personally I like Hot Rod more than Napoleon Dynamite just cuz the of the absurdism. Mm-hmm. Cuz like, you know the part where they're like cool cool bean beans cool bean. Yeah. I'm like that that's what I would do in a comedy movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Just Absolutely. like these surreal um absurd moments those are the those are the that's that's the type of comedy i'm into for movies at least yeah and i do i think it tipped that domino of like i said make stuff with your friends because people really do like it like if you think it's funny i mean what what was vine except for that whole concept Mm -hmm. you know vine was that entire concept of make stuff with your friends other people are going to think it's funny yeah and i feel like that's if you want to call it that genre and make stuff with your friends and people are going to find it funny. Mm-hmm. Um, that's only like become more true in the past couple of years with like YouTube vlogs and like David Dobrik and yeah. uh, Chase loves this show, Sugar Pine seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some more questions here. Uh, I made a Twitch just to support Liza and ask if you guys are George Carlin fans. I love George Carlin. He yeah, is a legend. He, um, I think he brought edgy humor into the mainstream even more like he pushed boundaries that no one else did. Yeah. I also like, I also like George Carlin, not enough to like, I couldn't carry on. Oh, I mean, what are we at now? 58 minutes. I couldn't carry on a 58 minute conversation. <laughs> with George Carlin. I could maybe carry on like a five minute conversation about George Carlin, but I think that's my friend, Amber. Hey, Amber. And hey, Amber. about the movie, the paper boy. I've hey, never heard of it. Um, the paper boy is, a it's a rowdy movie it's a rowdy movie it okay. I, I was a senior in high school with um my mom and my ex-boyfriend who i'm pretty sure is the one who asked this question <laughs> um but yeah dude it's a weird zach efron movie it's i think it was filmed in like again this has been what eight seven years since i've seen it um but i'm pretty sure it was filmed in like swamp new orleans or like mm-hmm. way down there in like like bayou type of stuff um but yeah it's weird it's a weird project that zach efron worked on and it's it's like not interesting um but yeah is it labeled as a comedy i freaking hope not <laughs> i absolutely hope that it's not labeled as a comedy let me you know what i don't have time i'm not gonna look that up who cares but um yeah, the Paperboy is a weird movie. You should at least definitely like watch the trailer after this. I think Matthew McConaughey's in it too. Um, weird movie, man. Weird movie, but it's fun I'm to watch. Intrigued, but yeah, not really enough to watch it during this quarantine. <laughs> oh, people who have been saying like Netflix put better horror movies on during this quarantine are insane people. They're insane people. I do you like horror movies? Um, I've actually gotten into them the past couple of years. Well, I can't say I'm a horror movie fan, but like, people what like Jaren to tumble you down a horror movie path. Okay. What is going on? Why? What's just funny? I like horror. Why? Why? Yes. It's just like I don't know. It, it, it's fun. 
I like the artsy horror movie that I've seen horror movies I've seen like Hereditary and uh, as much as I hated it, um, I lo- Chase said I love horror movies. I want to shit my pants every now and again. Yeah, Chase, I think. And sometimes like they're just good stories. Like those are the ones I appreciate. Okay. I mean, so, I like Hereditary and Midsummer. Midsummer is a crazy trip if you ever yeah. want to watch that. See, here's the thing, man. I just feel like every day. I just so desperately am trying to have a good day. The last thing I want to do is watch something that might freak me out a little bit. Like I saw something recently, I guess it was like a few weeks ago that was like how to explain to your friends that to you fear is bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel. Anytime somebody's like, let's watch a horror movie. Let's not, let's turn it off. I don't want to see that. For me, it's kind of one of those things that I do. And I'm like, it's kind of like drinking on a crazy night and then you regret it the next day and you're like, I'm never doing that again. For me, sometimes it's like, I'm going to watch. Some people are saying this is the scariest horror movie of all time. I'll watch it. I won't go to sleep that night. I wake up and I'm like, I am never doing that again. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting take. Did um. So I'm not a big movie person, really. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel as though I've seen enough like classics, you know, to like, I mean, I understand movies. Um, but I just, I'm not a big, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not watching human centipede chase this comment. And I started to say, I'm not a big human centipede fan. I'm not, um, but I'm not a big movie fan. Um, but have you seen uncut gems? Uh, yes. I wouldn't consider that a horror movie. Oh no, I'm, we're off the horror movie thing. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's a good movie. You thought it was a good movie. It's anxiety inducing, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I hated it. I hated Uncut Gems. I completely understand why you would. I hated it, man. I hated it. I wanted to like it so bad. I actually rented it on Redbox twice um, because the first time I rented it, like I wasn't actually going to be able to watch it that night. And then the next day I was like, well, I might not be able to watch it tonight either. Let me just bring it back. Went back a few days later, rented it again. And um, yeah, I was was severely disappointed with Uncut Gems. It it makes you want to smack Adam Sandler the entire movie, and it's just like, dude, he talks almost the entire film. Yeah, like, I, I would mean, say ninety percent of that movie is Adam Sandler talking. Yeah, is somebody is everybody talking? They talk yeah, that's also a thing. A whole freaking time. Like, I mean, I feel as though I've got a pretty good like attention span. Um, but if I had some sort of like attention deficit disorder or whatever, I would have shut that. I would have shut it off. I would have said, "Get out! No, 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 no! We're not watching this. No, did not. Mm-mm. No, no uncut gems. No." And that's not a that's not a very common opinion. People really liked uncut gems, but that might be like the last. No, I saw Frozen too. Did you see Frozen too? I saw a half of it. I need to finish it. You do need to finish it. I love Frozen too. Olaf. What's up, Gray? Who, Gray's here? Yeah. What a guy. You know Gray Carter? Yeah, I do. A dope guy. <laughs> guy. But yeah, I, I really went off on a, uh, we started Amy Schumer, we ended with Human Centipede. You know, it's a regular Friday night over here. Oh yeah, it's a it's a crazy, uh, you know, roller coaster of a, of a talk show. It and absolutely. that's what I'm here for. It absolutely but yeah, is. Yeah, Liza, I think um, we're at the hour mark. So, um is there anything, any, any advice you want to give to uh, people that kind of want to get into stand-up comedy or yeah. just acting in general? Because I feel like you've seen more auditions and 
the other side of what people don't see that they're they may be interested in? Yeah. Um I think that my best like stand-up advice mm-hmm. first of all would be to would just be if you think that you might ever want to do it, absolutely just do it. And trust me, if you go to a few open mics, you will realize you can absolutely do it. Like you can absolutely do it. Um it's it's a jarring art form for sure, but there is such a nice sense of camaraderie in it. Um, because at the end of the day, it's just like I said, make funny stuff with your friends because other people probably will like it. You know, um, more advice would just be, you know, I hate to say like be yourself because everybody says be yourself in every aspect of life, but like truly just be yourself. Don't be the, you know, get on stage and like, I have sex all the time, blah, 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 you know, like whatever. No, you don't, man. Tell us about how you don't have sex all the time. Like, I'd be much more interested to hear about that. I <laughs> you know? Um, I know that's yeah. where we're going to end, but I feel like this is just a really good topic. Um, yeah. Like, being genuine and wholesome, I feel like is such an important part of, like, comedy. Like, very few people, I feel like, can play a character on stage. But, like, people like, uh, like Bo Burnham, yeah. who, like, he, he doesn't even play anything remotely close to what he really is. And, People love him. People love his cynicism and his honesty. But I feel like, I don't know, he gets away with it because he's honest through that character. Yeah. And um, I feel like comedy is such a beautiful art form to be honest and to be vulnerable on stage while also making people laugh. What do you, uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I think at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to not just with comedy, but with the rest of your life. Who do you want to be in the world? Mm-hmm. Who do you want to be? Do you want do you want people to view you as a super cynical, you know, I don't want to say negative, but just a super cynical person um, just in life, not just with your comedy. Is that how you want to be? Or do you want to be someone who is absolutely being authentically themselves saying how I don't, I'm just, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the best way to work. No, you're this. doing great. <laughs> you, can, you can be honest and also be very open and kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw something where I just, I can, how many times drinking game, if you drink, how many times have I said, Oh, so awesome the other day. Um, <laughs> but I did see something the other day that was talking shut, about, shut, and I, shut, shut, right. <laughs> and I probably do agree with this. And it said something along the lines of like, I'm going to mess it up. But the, like we will never truly know the impact that South Park made on an entire generation through cynicism and negativity, mm-hmm. you know, and it did. I mean, like, you know, South Park absolutely came in and made a lot of people really negative, you know, and like, you know, really introduced a whole genre of like jokes about things that like, maybe we shouldn't joke about just cause we can, you know, it definitely mm-hmm. opened up the like more negative side of comedy that is still comedy. Um, but at the end of the day, like at what cost? And I don't I mean, know. South Park is one of my favorite comedy shit. Like they do. I mean, sure. They've had yeah. some misses, but they, they do edgy humor. Correctly. I think, um, I think present day, they're a lot better than they were maybe in like the early two thousands or like mid two thousands. You know, but yeah, I think that, you know, and especially like, I mean, how old were we then? Like third, fourth grade, you know? And you yeah, kind of, I mean, like, I couldn't watch it then. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. And I think that like, Bo, 
Okay, let's chill. There it is. That's the second let's, time. Let's chill with the noise. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that I think that Bo Burnham does it really well. I think he's been able to. I mean, not only that, but he's been able to get away with things because he also makes very quality um, shows. I mean, eighth eighth grade was phenomenal. Amazing. I loved it. it. Amazing. It was amazing. Um, I think that he does. But I feel like um, yeah. with edgy humor. Oh, sorry. Did I cut you off? Nope. This is your oh, show. Cool. <laughs> uh, this, this is my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, I feel like to get away with edgy humor, you need to be making a point. Yeah. Like. If you're going to say, if you're going to make like a point about racism by making a racist joke, I don't think that's smart. Right. But like, if you're, if you're going to make a point about it, then I think that is the smartest way to do an edgy joke is like, if you want to make a point about something in the world that you don't agree with, or um, like what better way to do with it than through like sarcasm and with comedy, like making people laugh and being because that's my favorite comedy is the ones that make me point it and be like, Hey, I never thought about that. That's, that's true. That's why, that's why you're saying it on stage and I'm over here listening to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I feel as though if you're going to shine light on a problem, you better have a solution, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly what you said. Like there's, there's no point to just make a bunch of like, you know, racism jokes or, I mean, God forbid, like a rape joke, get out of here, get out of here. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever seen it tasteful rape joke no, there's not because there's not any you know and so i think that um yeah I mean, daniel tosh the- did one that was pretty decent <laughs> i don't know if you remember that one absolutely but i am not gonna i'm oh. not gonna decide <laughs> it on this show <laughs> no thanks um what were you gonna say yeah i mean i think that as far as just like you know I- advice for comedy what do you think is funny you know what do you think is funny because you know, for me, I mean, I think that shared experiences are very funny. Um, shared experiences, Southern humor is very funny because it's just, it's where we are and we see it all the time. Um, and then just like life events. I think that funny things happen to people. And I think that it's almost a disservice to that really funny thing to not tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I think that if you just find what you think is funny and you're being absolutely genuinely yourself and you're doing it because the feeling of people laughing with you is one of the greatest feelings in the world, then you're absolutely doing it for the right reasons. I mean, I can't, when I think about the like Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours thing, what would you spend 10,000 hours doing to become really good at it? Um, Making people laugh. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Like what a, what a dream, what a treat. You know, and you are you are excellent at it, might I say. Thank you. Like there is, it is a really good feeling to make people laugh, and that's honestly advice that I give people when, like, ever since I moved to Atlanta, people have been asking me for advice on like filmmaking and stuff. And I'm and what I tell a lot of people is if you if you've got a story in your heart or an idea, then you should share it with people. You should make it. You should make that thing. Don't let it sit there. Yeah. And just like and just steam there's no point in that right the the best way to you know make a film is to just make it mm-hmm. and the best way to tell a joke is just to tell it <laughs> yeah um elizabeth gilbert the author of eat pray love in her book big magic mm-hmm. um she talks about how um ideas are tangible things and i completely believe that i think that they are tangible things um she talks about how she had an idea this was back in like maybe like the 90s or the 80s i don't i don't remember but talk about how she had an idea to write a very specific book about like 
something in Chile, but I, I mean, I read this years ago, but she just had this idea of this book she was going to write and then just never really got around to it. And when she would think about maybe revisiting that idea, it wasn't really as strong as she had it before. And she kept thinking like, man, I wish I'd written about that, you know, but now I don't have the drive to do it. Oh, that was such a good idea. And then years later, she was at some sort of conference, ran into another author friend of hers and they were talking. She had never mentioned it before. And this author friend said, I've got this great idea for a book. And it was exactly what Elizabeth Gilbert was going to have written about. You know, and she was like, ideas are tangible things that are gifts. And if you act on it and you use the gift that is given to you, you know, it's it's I mean, that's the greatest feeling in the world. You're truly given a gift. But if you don't use it, it will go to someone else and someone else will invent it. You know. Ideas are fun. They're fun. Yeah, I agree. Have you ever had a joke that you told and then someone you found out someone else already told it or uh, later on after you told the joke? God, I'm sure. Not on, not on stage for sure. But like in my, I mean, I've definitely like, I've made the mistake before of like tweeting something and then like realizing that somebody else has tweeted something very similar to that. And then I feel weird and kind of gross and embarrassed. I don't know. The last thing I ever want to do is like, because I think that ideas are, are tangible, real things. I don't ever want to have taken someone's, you know? So it's always a good idea if you're going to tweet something to maybe like look in the search bar real quick, like type in some of those words. Because they might have. I don't and, know. Like that's really good advice, Liza. And uh, thank you so much for being on today. This was a this was a really good uh, interview. I think. Like, I'd love to have you on again if you ever are down. Hey, um, depending how long we're in this quarantine, you we might be able to do a few of these. <laughs> yeah, probably if this lasts a couple more months. Yeah. So everybody, we have a uh, Nathan Mowry on tomorrow, and cool. Friday we have Isaac Dietz. So yeah, Nathan's gonna be on. We're gonna talk about stuff. And uh, I, I love this stuff, this topic on like just chasing whatever you're you're wanting. If it because that's what Nathan talks about a lot, All and time. I'm sure you've heard Nathan's what? Nathan's story plenty of times. A better example of a human being who went after what he wanted and got it. Exactly, and that's why I'm excited to talk with him tomorrow. So that's a good little teaser for tomorrow's interview. Um, but. Yeah, Eliza, I've said this six times like for an ending, but thank you so much for being on. And uh, do you have any closing comments or anything else you want to say? Um, I just adore you. I just think you're great. I completely forgive you for years ago in that Starbucks. <laughs> um, I That's so embarrassing. Oh, my gosh. I think you're great. And I'm sorry. Thank about you. I don't know. The first time I met you, I'm sorry for roasting you about the fact that your family had a telephone in the bathroom. So. Oh my, I forgot about that. My, my parents actually, for some reason <laughs> have a phone in their bathroom and everybody, yeah, every, almost time. every friend I've ever had come over, they're like, Trevor, why do you have a phone in your bathroom? <laughs> yeah. The first time I ever met Trevor, I went in his bathroom and, and I came back out and I could not let it go. I did not let it go. I still have not let it go, but I will apologize for that being the thing that became the foundation of our friendship. <laughs> Chase said, let's close with prayer. So, uh, dear Lord, thank you for such an amazing talk show. Yes. Amen. Amen. That was great. Cool. All right. I adore All you. Right, bye, bye, everyone. Thank Later. you so much for joining. Nothing. I don't, <laughs> Help with nothing. I am I am so sorry. <laughs>